Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ego, Slendy. Ego, Slendy. Hey, hit it up the park. Hit it up the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy. Ego, Slendy. Ego, Slendy. Ego, Slendy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 412 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is June 11th, 2023. The Padres, they won the series against the Colorado Rockies. They should have swept it. A disappointing loss today. Uh, we're going to talk about that, talk about the other games in this series, and get to some other San Diego sports stuff as well. As I'm waiting to get some people here in the live show, just a reminder, use my code TALKINGFRIERS on SeatGeek for $20 off your order there. Click the link in my description, uh, that breakingt.com link for your San Diego sports swag, Aztecs, Wave, Padres, and I'll tell you more about Gaglion Bros and Underdog Fantasy as we get through the show. Uh, but yeah, disappointing ending to this series, but there were some encouraging signs definitely from this series. I mean, Blake Snell was pitching like, the Cy Young, Blake Snell, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Manny Machado had a heck of a series, both of them. Jake Cronenworth, seems like he's almost back to being the Jake Cronenworth that we are used to seeing, that we've been used to seeing these last couple years, it feels like. You know, that all-star Jake Cronenworth, that guy that is going to get on base most of the time. He's going to give you those competitive at-bats, the short swing, the line drives, going oppo sometimes. Like it seems like he is pretty back. Uh, so there were some good signs. But obviously today we're going to start with today's game. Padres lose five to four 
it was a long one. There was a long delay. And that made it probably even worse, right? You're waiting through that long delay. And then just to see the Padres lose on a walk-off home run, a couple batters into it. Uh, They had a lead. Then they didn't. They had another lead. Then they didn't have it. And then they lose. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that have their thoughts um, on Bob Melvin and should he have pulled Blake Snell? Uh, Why is he putting Luis Garcia in the game there? A lot of people that want to get at Bob Melvin. Uh, And you can do so in the chat. Feel free. If you want to come on the show and give your thoughts, you can click the link that is pinned up at the top of the chat and just click that link and you will uh, be in the, the, the stream room and I can put you on the show. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, just use that super chat button and I will make sure to get to it. It, it separates your comment or your question into a different category. So it makes it easy for me to find your comment. All right. And it supports the channel. So I appreciate anyone that does that. So let's start with the beginning of this game and then we'll, you know, work our way through. So obviously Blake Snell was tremendous. Um, He punched out 12 guys. The Padres, they scored three runs uh, through four innings, one in the third, and then they scored two uh, in the fourth inning. And that gave Snell the run support, right? And, you know, they were so the Rockies look, they had a one-nothing lead. And that was like the the mistake that Snell made, right? It was one-nothing, but then the Padres, they had it. Three-one. So Soto had the sack fly, one-one. Then Crony had the two-run home run with Bogarts. He was in scoring position, so it counts as a hit with runners in scoring position. I know the Padres, they still struggled with that a little bit this weekend, but that was good. Uh again, Crony, like that swing, it was not like a home run swing. It was a short swing. He didn't even really finish his swing. Just short, compact, to the ball. I love what I'm seeing there uh, from Crony. So that made it 3-1. And then Snell took it. He, he took the game all the way through, through that seventh inning. And then, well, before he got before he ended the seventh inning, right, he was hit by that line drive. He was struck by that liner off of his foot. And it bounced off, went right to Manny. And Manny threw the runner out at first. So that was great. I think the inning ended there. I think, or maybe, that, no, that wasn't the last out. It was, I think, obviously it was the first or second out of the inning. I forget what out it was. But it was hit pretty hard. It was hit over 100 miles per hour at Snell's foot. So according to Bob Melvin, his ankle, there was some swelling there. And that was part of why he was pulled after seven innings. And there are a lot of fans that are pissed off, right? And I saw it on social media. They were pissed that Blake Snell was taken out after seven innings. And I understand it. I said on my post-game reaction before I came on here, like, I get that viewpoint. And this was before Bomel spoke and, and said that about Snell and this kind of the swelling and wasn't feeling great with that ankle. People were mad because Snell was pitching well. The 12 strikeouts. How many hits did he give up? Like three? I think it wasn't very many. Let me see here. Three hits. Yeah, seven innings, three hits, just one run. Didn't walk anyone. 12 punch outs, seven innings. Didn't walk anyone. You know you're pitching well when that happens. So everyone was like, what the heck? Snell, this is his good outing, his one good outing at Coors Field. 
you leave him in there. It's not like he's at 115 pitches. You leave him in there. Let him pitch at least the eighth inning. And I get that point of view. But if Blake's ankle's not great, he's already given you seven strong innings when, let's be realistic, were the Padres expecting seven sh- uh, almost shutout innings from Blake Snell today? Seven innings, 12 punchouts. Were they expecting that today with no walks? Probably not. They got what they wanted out of Blake. So it was time to hand it over to the bullpen. Bowmill probably thought, hey, I've got Garcia who hasn't thrown yet, and we signed him to be a high leverage reliever. He was a high leverage reliever last year. He's got a he's got a pitch. This is a good spot to pitch him. Bowmill probably believes in him. And then they have Cosgrove. They obviously had Martinez because he was warming up. He didn't come into the game because he came in and then there was the rain delay. So he already got hot and the Padres didn't want to send him back out there, especially when he would be pitching on back-to-back-to-back days. I was surprised to see him even uh, be warming up and even going into that game. Uh, But he didn't pitch. They had Honeywell, they had Cosgrove, and they had Garcia to cover a couple innings, assuming the Padres held that lead. And so Bomo was like, yeah, good job, Blake. We got what you want. We don't want to push that with the ankle. And so I understand that decision. For me, it comes down to Luis Garcia. I mean, there's a ground ball to first base. Immediately, he doesn't go over to cover. And as a pitcher, this is like high school stuff, Little League stuff. Ground ball sit to first. You run over to go cover first base. That's what you do as a pitcher. This isn't like, again, it's, it's, it's like high school stuff. And he didn't immediately run. He just stood there, and then he went over. And it's like, no, sorry, dude, that's too late. So he doesn't get over there. Runner gets on, and of course he gives up a home run. So two bad things, right? Gives up the homer, and he doesn't cover first in time. Didn't go over there immediately. So the game's tied. If Garcia goes over immediately and covers first, the runner's out, gives up a home run. Okay, well, the game's tied. Or actually, no, no, no. In that spot, it would have been a one-run game. I'm saying the game would have been tied at the end of nine, assuming that uh, the home run still would have been hit by um, McMahon, right? Yeah, assuming, so if McMahon, yeah, because I'm just going back into this game here. I just want to make sure I got the score right. Because in that spot that Garcia gave up the home run, because the Padres, they had the lead. And then, yeah, okay, yeah, two-run home run, it was 3-3. So if Garcia would have gotten over, would have covered first in time, that would have been a 3-2 game on the Coco Montes home run. That was his first big league home run, by the way. That would have been 3-2. Then in the ninth, Kim scored. That would have made it 4-2. Then there was the home run by McMahon. 4-3, home run by Nolan Jones, who ended up walking it off, 4-4 instead of 5-4, you know? So I think the attention should be on Garcia instead of Bomel in this spot, but maybe that's just me. I understood the decision after the explanation from Bomel. I understood why he took out Snell in that spot. Like, he already gave him the strong seven innings. The ankle, obviously, was not 100%. And you had to pitch Garcia at some, at some point. Like, it's his job to come through in that spot. And be aware of when a ball's hit to first base, you gotta go cover immediately. And he didn't go, he didn't do that. So that's on him. 
you know, look, this offense, we can talk about the offense too. Like they should have swept this series and we would have felt much. I think we would have felt much better about the Padres here if they would have gotten the sweep, obviously, but like runners in scoring position today, one for seven, they got the win yesterday and runners in scoring position was one for 12. Good night, obviously, in the first game of the series, and we can talk about that. But the runners in scoring position, despite winning the series, it's still not good. So, like, the problems are still not fixed all the way here. Uh, but you would have took the wins. You would have took the win. Uh, you would have took the series sweep. Like, with, the, with where the Padres are right now, you gotta you got to sweep these series at some point, right? Especially against teams like the Rockies. You get a great start from Blake Snell. How many more of those are you going to get, especially at Coors Field? You know, you got to win those games. And because now, instead of winning three there, you really only, it was only a net positive of one instead of three, if that makes sense. Because you had one of your wins canceled out by a loss. So, and the Rockies were a last place team. It's not like they were gaining games on them. Snell, by the way, on his ankle, it swelled up after the seventh. X-rays negative. I'm good. Uh, and he says he's going to be ready to go for his next outing. You want to hear from Bomel? Let, let's play Bomel after the game, kind of explain the Snell thing, even though I already kind of said it. Explain the Snell situation and just the game. <laughs> have to play in the conditions so no yeah we were short some but still you know the late pitch great we felt we were in a good position to, to finish it out did that was the decision to go uh to put both in the eighth inning was that related to the top yeah he was swollen it was it was bothering him a little bit but you know it's seven innings either way pitched really well but that factored in yeah how encouraging was what Blake was able to do today? He's on a roll now you know similar to what we've seen in a lot of his second halves so um, last what three or four outings has been really good, but today probably the best. Just the one change up for a home run and strikes out twelve and in seven innings. Uh, what was the mechanics? Martinez ran in, looked like they were covering the field at that time. Was the... we were going to use Martinez to close, uh, even though it was three days in a row with them. But with the rain starting like that, and with us not knowing if we were going to score, we were com- we were uh, comfortable with Cosgrove going out for uh, for McMahon and then bring in. Uh, Martinez after that, but after the rain delay, I wouldn't get to use him after, you know, being, this would have been his third day in a row and warming up already. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Look, I mean, you're going to be put in tough spots. You know, so he gets a couple outs and throws a fastball and, you know, in this ballpark and, you know, you're always one pitch away potentially that happening. Unfortunately, that we've been talking a little bit lately about one run game. You had yeah. in there yesterday. I mean, yeah, you know, the straight that's come out of the series like this was it frustrating to lose a one-run game like that. Yeah, especially after what we've been Obviously. playing, and you know, we feel like we're back, you know, doing situationally, doing some good things. Obviously, we didn't get the, the safety down, but ended up scratching across a run, just didn't finish out, and uh, you know, obviously the the state of world and a little something. Like Garcia did not help himself, slow to cover first base. You know, how big was that? What did you see? What he did? That was big. You know, I, I don't know if he turned the other way, but when he started, it's the, I think he realized he wasn't going to get there in time, and obviously that ended up being big. Is Blake okay to play? I mean, what's yeah, they, they, they took an x-ray. He's, there, there's no, I mean, no fracture, so um, 
I think they've minimized the swelling during between. And, That's good. Uh, I got a good feeling about him making his next start. No fracture. No fracture. It's good. I saw someone in the chat talk about the initial diagnosis of snow and that really not mattering. Well, if they said there's no fracture, a fracture can just appear overnight. I don't think so. So right now I expect Blake to make his next start. So that's good. Uh, yeah, a disappointing loss. Obviously, though, like the runners in scoring position, it's still an issue. I don't think we should let this series win distract us from the fact that the runners in scoring position thing is still a problem. But there's encouraging signs this series. Uh, Tatis had one heck of a series. In the first night, two hits. In the second night, two hits. Or second, that was the day game. Uh, and then today, two hits. Six hits in the series for Tatis. And his OPS is now over 840. Average is over 270. Manny, one heck of a series from him. Uh, we'll obviously get to that catch that he made yesterday when I talk about yesterday's game. But today, yeah, he went over. But he had a three-hit day yesterday. And then he had a two-hit day in the first game of the series. And he had a home run, I believe, in that game, right? So, obviously, you look at, like, the OPS number for Manny, 670. Like, that's still not good. But he had a long period of time there at the beginning where he was not playing like the Manny Machado that we're used to seeing. So it's going to take a while to climb that mountain to get back up to being, to looking like uh, Manny Machado, you know, those stats looking like that. Uh, okay. Let's look at the chat here again. If you want to make sure I get to your comment, use that super chat button. It also supports myself. So I appreciate that very much. Um, Raul says Garcia looks like he enjoys giving away the games. SMH. Yeah, I mean, for this to be his first outing back from the IL, yeah, that's not that, that was not a great return for sure. ABCDEFG says Bob Melvin is an idiot. I don't think he's an idiot. Look, he had reasoning for the Snell thing, and I'm I don't always defend Bomo. I think most of the decisions I can defend him on. Because sometimes like it comes down to the players. I know there's fans that don't like to put all of the the blame on the players when things don't work out, even though they're the ones on the field. They want to point fingers at the manager or whoever. Like, sometimes it's down to the player. And today, like, I think it's on Luis Garcia. Um, there was reasoning to take Snell out. And Garcia was going to pitch in this game. And he didn't do his job. So, that's that's where I'm leaning on this. Brent says, if Bomo let Snell go out for the eighth and he got rocked, people would be uh, bitching about how he left Blake in too long. Yeah, see, that's the thing about managing, right? You have faith in your guy and he falls off. Well, you left him in too long. You pull a guy to avoid him falling off. I'm not saying Blake would have. I'm just saying, like, you pull a guy because you think it's a good time to do that. You go to a guy in the bullpen you trust and he isn't on his night, doesn't have a, doesn't have a good day. People are like, why'd you pull that starting pitcher, you idiot? That's just the way it goes. Uh, but Bomo knows that. Matt says, it's not Melvin, it's the team. I thought the Royals and Reds were horrific, but this Rockies roster may be worse than the A's. Yeah, and the Padres, they they won the series, but it was a one-run win yesterday, and they lost today. 
in a game that they should have won. So, yeah, not everything's fixed. I don't want to come on here and make it seem like everything's fixed, uh, even if I do talk about some of the positives that uh, I saw from this series. Austin says, people are overreacting about Melvin Snell go hit, got hit in the foot with a liner over 100 miles per hour. Sure, maybe not Garcia, but I don't blame Snell being pulled. Yeah, and if it, let's say he didn't go to Garcia, who should have been used in that spot? I post that bullpen chart uh, at Talking Friars on Twitter and Instagram before every game. And if you look at the bullpen chart, I was talking about it on my pregame thoughts today, Hader was not going to be used. And yes, that's frustrating. Should the Padres give Josh Hader $100 million if he can't pitch back-to-back days and he can only pitch one inning? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but it was, so, but that's just the thing. That's just what it is with Hader. You know, he's not going to get used in three days in a row when it's June 11th. Uh, they don't really even do that in the postseason, and they don't even do that really for in the postseason if he's going to pitch more than an inning. They don't even really do that. Hater for an inning. Um, so he wasn't going to be used today. Cut him off. Stephen Wilson, twenty-seven pitches yesterday. I guess he could have come in. Could they? Did you want them to go to Honeywell there over Garcia in that spot? Maybe you do. Uh, Cosgrove. I mean. Do you want them to go to Cosgrove in that spot? Cosgrove ended up giving up a home run in this game. I'm not going to get on Cosgrove. That was his first earned run that he's allowed so far this year. So it's hard for me to get on him there. And it was in the pouring rain when he gave the home run to McMahon, by the way. You know, he relies on that ball moving, right, on the breaking pitches. Like, that that's his out pitch. And I think it's – is it a curveball or slider? Whatever it is, it's freaking nasty. He relies on it. And so in the rain, I don't know if that's the best combination. So I don't know if they really want to do that. Nick Martinez, they probably wanted to not use him. Uh, but, I mean, he was warming up. So you can make a case that they could have had him pitch in that spot. Look, they wanted to get Garcia in the game and probably want to give him the closing spot. So the eighth inning was the only spot for him to pitch because at that point they had the lead. So I was fine with him with Bomo going with Garcia. For me, it's Garcia has to do a do a better job of doing his job. Like that's just what it is. Matt says Snell got Kevin Cash again in a meaningless game this time. Well, this game's not meaningless, but obviously it's not game six of the World Series. And that that's different. Like Snell pitched seven innings and he got hit in the ankle by a ball that was hit back at him over 100 miles per hour. Like there was a reason to take him out. Where the World Series, he was pitching really well, and there was no like injury, and they pulled him. That that's worse than this, I think. Especially when Kevin Cash was going to a overtaxed bullpen at that point. Raul says Garcia has been dog ass all season. Well, I mean, he's going to pitch at some point, right? And the Padres they want to get him back to being that high leverage reliever, and. Today with the bullpen situation, like today was the time for him to to pitch in that spot. Matt says they are nearly 10 back of the Diamondbacks now. They never catch them and or the Dodgers. It's going to be tough. I don't want to totally rule out them not catching the Diamondbacks because I I just don't believe the Diamondbacks are going to keep up this pace all year long. I mean, what is their record right now? 40 and 25, 15 games over. They're going to be 15 games over the rest of the year. I just don't believe that. 
I don't. And someone can clip this and post it at the end of the year when the Diamondbacks make the postseason and they're still 15 games over 500. But, and I will admit, yep, I was wrong, but I just don't believe that. So I'm not ruling out the D backs. I think the Dodgers, I know the Dodgers are below the D backs right now, but I, I believe in them being consistent and continuing to win more than I do the Arizona Diamondbacks. D backs, they have a good core, got some good young players, Tori Lavolo as the manager. Like they're growing, they're getting better. But can they continue this the whole year? I don't know. Are they going to be buyer, big buyers at the deadline? I don't know about that either. Um, I'm just going through the, the comments here. Some people have some thoughts on today's loss. JD's third extremely disappointing series. Rockies should have been swept. Once again, we can't perform against horrible starting pitching. The error and wild pitch are the only reason we tied in the ninth. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're talking about the offense, Kim scoring on that wild pitch. Yeah, I mean, it would, look, the Padres, they they tied that game. It was not very encouraging the way that they did. I get it. I'm still just focused more on Garcia today and the end of that game there than uh, the Padres' offense not being able to do their job because at the end of the day, they did have a lead. And they should have still had the lead after Garcia finished there because Garcia should have immediately went and covered first base, but no, it's the offense. It's the offense has not been fixed. So I agree with that. JD's third. Yeah. Now the Padres, they have the, the guardians coming up. They have an off day on Monday and then the guardians Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they have the Tampa Bay race, the best team in baseball. I think they have the best record in baseball still. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Whoever the, even if like Glasnow doesn't pitch, I don't even know who's coming up for the Rays that weekend. If he doesn't even pitch, I mean, it's still going to be hard. You know, the Rays don't get there just by one guy. I know that's a big guy that people think about with the Rays, but it's not just him. Carlos says, I'm just hearing excuses for Bomel. Are you? I'm I'm just hearing valid reasons why Blake Snell was taken out. If if you look, I understood those fans that were pissed off in the moment why Blake Snell was taken out of the game there at the end of the seventh inning. Because you didn't have the information of after the game, oh, Blake, you know, after getting hit in the ankle, it was swelling and he wasn't a hundred percent. And that factored in. Like you didn't have that. So I understood it. But now that you have that and you still think Snell Man, Snell definitely should have been out there in the eighth inning. You can have that opinion, but I don't think – I think you should understand why Snell was taken out there. And you should be more mad at Luis Garcia than Bomel for taking Blake Snell out. All right, quick break, and then I'll be back. Check out Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gagleonebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Yeah, so at the end there, I did want to at least mention how much it was pouring. I know I probably hit on that earlier, but like Cosgrove coming in when it was pouring and they were only still playing in that spot because they wanted to end the game. Like the Padres, they had the lead right 
before the uh, McMahon home run, they had the lead. And so they they were going to play through it because they thought, hey, let's get, you know, let's take five minutes here in the bottom of the ninth. Let's get through this. But then they obviously didn't. And then when McMahon tied it with the home run to make it 4-4, well, it's still pouring. Might as well just go into the delay. And so that took Martinez out of it, which sucked because I would have, I probably would have rather seen Martinez in there over Honeywell. But hey, that that's just what happened. And then to wait all that time just to see, yeah, walk off home run. All right, game over. That sucked. KJ, comparing the 2021 Giants to the D-backs this year. Yeah, D-backs coming off a of bad 2022. Look at them now. Yeah, but I think there are some differences there between those two teams. The Giants were much more of a veteran team. And the D-backs this year, I think they're more of a younger team. Like their core, it's young. It's not old vets going for one last try, you know? Dominic DeFalco says, Honeywell experiment needs to end. Why? Like, who would you rather have up here over Honeywell? Who can pitch multiple innings if you want him to? He's pitched in high spots this year and done well. In fact, now that you bring Honeywell up, I do want to look at his game logs here to see if you are right, because I don't think he's as bad as you think he's been. Okay, so his last outing, he gave up a run. Outing before that, didn't give up any runs. Didn't give up any runs the outing before that. Maybe the outings where he's given up a couple, like May 28th against the Yankees. He gave up a couple runs, two innings. There was the outing against the Twins way back May 11th. Gave up three runs. So maybe those outings are sticking out in your head today. Recency bias sticking out in your head. But so far this year, I think he's done his job pretty well. And when you're pitching multiple innings, giving up one run, I don't know if that's the the end of the world. And Honeywell, if again, if you're looking at like the bullpen and the the guys like the if you're gonna power rank the bullpen, right? Guys that you want in in these high leverage spots, yeah, Honeywell's not probably in the top three. I get that. But you got to realize where this bullpen situation was today for this game. No hater. They probably wanted to avoid using Steven Wilson. Okay, Martinez was available. But how would you rank the guys that were available then? Would you go Martinez 1? Is it Cosgrove right after that? And Honeywell somewhere after that, maybe after Hill? Because people in the chat here, they they don't trust Luis Garcia, so you can't put him up there. And Cosgrove already pitched. Carlton pitched 28 pitches yesterday. So who are you going to go to there? Yeah, and, and Teddy says it was the first bad bullpen game in a while. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen has... I saw something on, I forget where it was, so I apologize to whoever who tweeted this out today, but 
it was like bull or not bullpen, but pitching staff, Padres pitching staff stats. And they were like ranked first in a lot of different categories. So, and that obviously includes the bullpen. So the bullpen has been good this year. Um, but Garcia, you know, for me, at least today, Garcia sticks out. Omar says, I'm torn between being upset at this loss or it just being a stupid loss. Also, are we really giving, or are we really keeping Nola still? Uh, Nick should have came in instead of Luis. Let's get the homestand rolling. Yeah, well, and it seems like they were trying to use Nick later in the game, but Nick came in during the rain till right when the rain delay started. So he was already warmed up, and then there was the rain delay. So they weren't going to pitch him. You know, they had to waste him because of the the rain delay. Um, and are we really keeping Nola still? Yes, because Camposano's hurt, and who else are they going to go to? They're going to bring up Brett Sullivan. I, I don't think that would be the worst idea, but we know that the Padres pitching staff values Austin Nola there, and they probably want him up at the big league level for a good amount of time because they, if they're going to have Sullivan come up and Nola not be there, they want one of those catchers to be very familiar with the pitching staff. And Gary's not at that point. Like he just got here. So they probably want to give it some more time where Nola can at least be the familiar guy there and help, help out because he's involved in those meetings before the game and all that. And he's still trusted. I know fans don't want to hear that, but he's still trusted by the pitching staff. Have him there till Gary and the pitching staff get comfortable with each other before they bring up Sullivan, but it's not like Sullivan was tearing apart the world either. You know, I like having a lefty catcher and a righty catcher. And right now it's two righties, Nola and Sanchez, but it's not like Sullivan was hitting 300 and they sent him down so that Nola could have a spot on the roster. All right. I'll get to more of the chat, but I wanted to hit on a couple of the other games in this series. So on Saturday Padres, they won three to two. But again, like I talked about a little bit earlier, the runners in scoring position, one for 12. They left 10 guys on base. So I don't want to make it seem like yesterday was this amazing win. Now, Tatis came up with a clutch two-run single. You know, you got to give props to him on that, and he had a really good series. He had multiple hits in every game of the series. Uh, but obviously, yeah, the, the runners in scoring position is still an issue. Ryan Weathers, he started this game for the Padres. Three innings of work. One earned run, three hits, no walks on 43 pitches. I thought he pitched pretty well. Uh, my expectations weren't very high for Ryan, especially going into Coors Field. But, hey, you got to give it to him. Now, some were like, well, why the heck is Weathers being pulled this early? But I, it feels like that was just the plan. Like, they were going to go to, I think it was Carlton after Weathers. They were just going to do that because Weathers, he struggled his last time out. They were probably thinking the same thing as us, like, Let's, let's just get Weathers a few innings, four innings maybe. It didn't go four, but get him some innings. Let's get some confidence back up in him if he does have a good outing, which he ended up having. And then let's go to the bullpen. Blake, he's been pitching well. Hopefully we can get a good start out of him on Sunday. They ended up getting that, and we can get through the series that way because we won't have to use uh, a ton of relievers with Snell if he has a good start. Maybe that's what the Padres were thinking. So Weathers, yeah, maybe he was pulled too early, but if that's the way they were thinking, I guess that's understandable. Although he only threw 96 pitches two starts ago. 
44, the outing before that against the Cubs where he sucked. But uh, he threw 43 yesterday. That's a big gap, 96 and a little over 40 pitches. Uh, but the bullpen was great. You know, So the bullpen wasn't that great today, but yesterday it was pitching like it has been for most of this season. Wilson, Hill, Martinez, Hayter combined for seven shutout innings, no runs allowed, one walk, four punch outs, one hit allowed. You going to ask for more than that? Probably not. Like, I was totally fine with that. That was a great performance there, and they were able to hold on for that one-run win. Uh, Gary Sanchez, shocker, coming through again. Wasn't a home run, but an RBI single, drove in Manny. Manny, by the way, scored from, I think, first on that play. Yeah, th- that was not a great scene for those who think that Manny doesn't hustle, right? That was not great for those people. Yesterday, just in general, was not great for the Manny doesn't hustle crowd, huh? He has a double. He ha- he scores from first. He makes a great play at third base. I'm not talking about the one uh, down the line. I'm talking about the deep throw that he had to make. And obviously the play in the eighth inning may be his best play that he's made. And of course, there's some Manny haters that are like, oh, well, he should have just caught it regularly. And he the, the ball missed his glove. That It tipped off his glove. It shouldn't have even happened in the first place. It's like people just love to hate just to hate. You know, you can't appreciate, oh, well, he rebounded from it while he was falling to the ground. Oh, and there's a runner on third base in that situation. And he had the presence to immediately, after making a miraculous catch, he had the presence to immediately throw it in so the runner didn't score the game-tying run in a one-run game in the eighth inning. People don't want to appreciate that. The Manny haters, maybe they're Dodger fans, I don't know. They they want to focus on, well, I saw someone in the comments somewhere. I forget if it was social media or here. Oh, well, Max Muncy would have made that catch on the fly. Like, shut up. I mean, just can we appreciate how good of a play that was to, to rebound from it? And it's not like it was a pop-up, just a nice, easy pop-up where he dropped it and rebounded from it. He was going towards the line. His back, I, I believe, right? If I go watch this play again, his back was literally towards the plate. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to find this play again. Yeah, he's running down the line here. It's a one-run game, runner on third. And he's going down the line because he's obviously starting at third base. He runs backwards towards the line with his back towards home to try to make like a almost a, a basket catch. And it hits off his glove. Because that's a hard play to make. And then after hitting off his glove a couple times, hits him in the face or in the, in the nose, I think, right? And then he's falling and is able to make the catch and then immediately throw into home. I'm sorry. That's, a, that, that's an amazing play. And for those people that don't want to appreciate that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you... You want to have a life where you want to hate on things all the time. Sorry. Hopefully you can find some positivity. 
I mean, some people, they just hate to hate. It sucks. But yeah, what a day for Manny yesterday. Getting back to the positives. What a day for Manny. Um, he finished yesterday. Let's see here. Three for five. Scored the run of the game on the hustle. Uh, the hustle run on the Sanchez RBI. And then obviously the great defensive plays. And then it was what? Friday, right? Where he made that tremendous pleasure homering on Friday's, in Friday's game. He makes that play going, I think that was on Friday. He goes down down the line and makes his classic fadeaway throw. I mean, he is one of the best defensive third basemen this game has ever seen. We've ever seen. Doesn't matter if you're 60. Doesn't matter if you're 20. One of the best defensive players we've ever seen. And hopefully, you know, people will appreciate that. I know Padres fans do, but obviously there's still some that are always going to want to try to hate him, and that just sucks for those people. Um, but, yeah, Saturday, like, I got to give major props to the bullpen and give props to Ryan Weathers. You know, you saw in the dugout he was pissed off about being taken out, but I think that going in that would have been the plan. If he was pissed, like, if that was the plan, he probably wouldn't have been that pissed off about it, right? Because he would have known, yeah, three innings, there we go. That was that was the plan. So maybe it wasn't. And the Padres just said, hey, let's just build on this. You had a good outing, and we're going to take you out. It's course Field. We want to keep your confidence up. And he was like, no, F that. I want to go out there. You know, I'm pitching well. Keep me out there. I'm at less than 50 pitches. What are we doing here? So I understand. If, if that was not like the plan, it, was, it wasn't communicated to him before the game, I understand why people, or excuse me, why Weathers would have been frustrated with that. But hey, the Padres, they got the win, one of their few one-run wins. I think that was their fourth one-run win of the season. That's it. They they were the best one-run team in the majors last year. Like, that's a big difference this year to last year. And so, again, those that say, oh, Bowmel's the problem. Well, Bomo was managing when they were the best in baseball in one-run games last year. So there's some times where you could say, yeah, he's maybe made the wrong move or what is he doing in that spot? But it's not every game. Like I see people on social media, if something doesn't work out, oh, fire Bomo. Bomo's the problem. Maybe it's just the player that didn't do his job that in that spot, you know. Uh, talking about Friday's game, Padres won that one nine to six. They got a winning streak, right? So that was their second straight win. Then their third straight win came on Saturday. But that's their longest win streak of the year, right? I don't think they've won four games in a row yet. The last time they won three games in a row was the end of April, I think. End of April going in May. May 1st, that third win. That was Tatis's first actual home game back at Petco Park. Obviously, they had the two home games in Mexico City against the Giants, but his actual first home game, May 1st, that was that third straight win, and they hadn't had that since then. So that shows the inconsistency of this team, right? Up, down, up, down, or up, up, down, 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 up, you know, just, just inconsistency. Uh, but Friday night, I mean, this was like a Coors Field game. 15 runs combined between the two, 25 hits in total. 
Darvish ended up getting his 100th career win, so congratulations to him on that. Uh, top three guys in the order combined for six hits. Tatis had two. Soto had two. Manny had two, including a home run. Gary Sanchez had a home run. Fernando had a home run. Grish had an opposite field home run. Who else? Am I forgetting someone else? I feel like a Dixon homer, right? Brandon Dixon. He moved to center. That made it 9-4. In the eighth, Stockett had a home run, made it 9-6. You know, the game was closer than we wanted it to be, but I was encouraged by the offense. Like, I was thinking, hey, maybe they can get going here. Like, I'm not going to say this is the turnaround, this is the turning point, because they've got to show a bigger sample size to doing this consistently. But, hey, it was good. And then the offense, you know, was, hasn't been, it wasn't that strong the last two games of the series, but I thought it was a good, it was a good team win. I thought, you know, yeah, six runs, but, and Darvish had walks and gave up four and runs. But if you look at most of Darvish's outing, it was good. The last, or excuse me, the runs that he gave up. So he gave one run in the third. And he didn't give up any more runs until the sixth inning. When maybe Bomel left him in a little bit too long, but they had, pretty big lead at that point. It was 8-1 to one entering the bottom of the sixth. After Nando had that homer, the left center, 8-1. It was 8-1. Eight, eight and then Gritchick doubled, 8-2. Montero made it 8-4. Um, but Darvish was not pitching at that point. But he did allow runners. and But he also, you know, during this outing, he got in into spots where, you know, back-to-back -back walks, runner in scoring position. <coughs> excuse me sorry runner in scoring position and he ended up getting out of that sorry water break so i thought mostly overall that was a, a pretty good outing from darvish you know the end there yeah it started to fall off but that's what i've seen from darvish you know at the end it, it sort of falls off or at the beginning you know maybe rough beginning, but then the rest of the outing, he's good or good outing. And then maybe at the end there, it starts to fall off. So maybe Bomel, Ruben Niebla, they have to kind of decide, all right, is this the time where we should pull him? So he doesn't start to fall off a little bit at the end, but I think they wanted to get six innings out of Darvish there. And they ended up not getting all the way through six, five and a third, five and a third was the line. Five hits, four walks, six punch outs, four earned runs. Crony, you know, I, I was mentioning him near the top of the show. The encouraging signs that I've seen from Crony. I mean, opposite field hits. Had a three-hit day on Friday, three for five, tripled the left center in the ninth. Shorter swing. Today, I saw him in one of the, at least I know in one of the at-bats, he was choking up. Like you could tell the approach. Like he is trying to change the approach to try to get something going because this has not been the same Jake Cronenworth that we're used to. Seems like the swing has been longer. And when you are striking out, it does seem like that. But even if you're not, if you're looking past the strikeouts and you're just looking at the swing and you didn't know that he was struggling, you're just looking at the swing. You could still probably tell, yeah, this still, it's a long swing. Maybe uppercutting, maybe not like a line drive swing. Uh, and you could tell he was pressing, like there was a lot of F bombs 
you could tell. And so it's good that he's getting back to being that Jake Cronenworth that we have seen, you know, going into this year. And I know some people are going to say, well, no, even last year, Ben, his numbers were going down. Yeah, but it was still a better Jake Cronenworth than this year. Like, we can all recognize that, right? So hopefully Jake can continue this. The opposite field hits, not trying to do too much. Short and swing. Um, I like what I'm saying. Like, again, the home run today was not even a full swing. That was just a kind of like a a golf shot a little bit. Like, the ball was down, right? Ball was down, and he just took it where it was pitched, which was inside, and he pulled it and got it over. Anything else I wanted to hit on from Friday's game? I mean, Austin Gomber, that's like the Austin Nola trade for the Rockies. Gomber was like the main one of the main pieces back in that Arenado trade to the Cardinals. And he has a 7.57 ERA. He was getting crushed early by the Padres. Crushed. The Rockies gave the Cardinals $50 million and Nolan Arenado. Yeah, take him. Go ahead, take him. That franchise, man. But obviously, AJ has some bad trades too. The Austin Nola one. That's that's one you think of, that's for sure. Uh, all right, getting back to the chat, Matt says the D-backs are built for the new rules as well. You're talking about stealing bases. Feels like they steal a lot of bags, huh? And Corbin Carroll, I mean, he's the main guy, right? Like, you think of the D-backs. Corbin Carroll, he's going to have a bright future, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, by the way, I, did I mention this? 15 hits for the Padres on Friday. 15 hits. They followed it up with nine hits yesterday. Seven today, so it went down from there. But that was look, it's hard to replicate a nine-run performance. They did that back-to-back games, but there was the off day in between. They had that series finale where they scored, I think, 10 runs. Off day, first game in Colorado, scored nine runs, and then couldn't do that again in any of the other games in the series. Look, this Padres team, like, I'm going to take the, the series win, right? Like, good job, won the series, but you're disappointed that they weren't able to come away with the sweep, obviously. Um, because... When they're under 500 like this, right? Right now, the Padres, they sit 31 and 34, fourth in the NL West. If you want to gain ground, you got to sweep these series, especially against teams like the Colorado Rockies. You got to sweep these series because the Dodgers are going to sweep the Rockies at some point this year, you would think. The D backs, the way they're playing, they could do that. Rockies, they're 27 and 40. And it's not like you were down the whole game and it's like, oh, okay, you won the series, you were down. It's understandable more. No, you had a couple leads in this game and some of the guys didn't do their jobs. And Blake, man, he either doesn't get run support or he gets some run support, leaves with the lead, and then the bullpen doesn't allow him to get the win because they blow it. Feel bad for him, huh? I think we should, and by the way, I'm surprised I haven't hit on this already. With Blake Snell, should we be changing our expectations of him instead of expecting him to go five, maybe six innings? Should we expect him 
to go six innings like that. Should that be our minimum expectation for Blake Snell now? The way that he is pitching, I think that's a fair, a fair thing to expect of him now. I think he would put those expectations on him. And I'm saying that because of Gary Sanchez catching him now. I know on the broadcast this weekend, Blake, he hadn't allowed a run with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. And then like 30 seconds later, he gives up the home run. But that was the only run that he allowed. That's four straight starts now from Blake Snell where he has went. Well, there was one start where he went five innings, but four straight starts where he has allowed one run or zero runs. Today, on Sunday, obviously, he allows one run, seven innings. Doesn't walk anyone, strikes out 12. June 5th, six innings. Gives up just two hits, no runs, eight punch-outs. May 31st, six innings, no runs, seven punch-outs. May 25th against the Nats, five innings. Allowed some base runners, but he got out of some jams. I think I remember a bases-loaded jam that he got out of. Five innings, one run, six punch-outs. I mean, he's been great since Gary Sanchez started being behind the plate. And Gary obviously has the most home runs by a single player off him, I think, with five. So Gary knows him well, and this is working. Should they sign Blake in the offseason? Like, that's, that's a discussion down the road, obviously. Like, there's a long time the rest of this year that might dictate our thoughts on that, right? But for now... The way he's pitching, I think we should change our expectations. We should expect six innings out of Blake. Is he going to walk guys still? Yeah, he will walk guys still. I don't think we should expect him to go six innings and allow no walks every start and punch out double-digit guys. But again, with Sanchez behind the plate, the way that he's pitching right now, he looks like second half Blake Snell right now. And so as long as that continues, our expectation should be quality start for Blake Snell every time out. Not, well, I'll be happy if he gets into the sixth inning and let's hope he doesn't walk four guys. No, I think we should expect, no, six innings minimum. Kind of like Musgrove or Darvish. Maybe not as long as like Darvish would go or Musgrove consistently. But yeah, I think six innings is reasonable. All right, I'm going to get to the chat here after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest, the better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. 
Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'm just going through the chat here. I see a super chat from Jeff the Cruiser, Crusher. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you have a comment in there, just put it in the comments. You don't need to leave another super chat. Cuz I don't I don't see Oh, okay. Is four runs at Coors the same as one at Petco? Uh, maybe. I mean, most you look at the history of Coors Field, yeah, there's there's usually more runs scored at Coors. Sure. Eddie says we hit the four run mark today. Most of the time we win those games. Yeah, but at Coors Field, it's a little bit different. I think the offense would say it still needs to step it up. You know, two games or three games in a row, three wins in a row, that's good. But this team, I there's still a higher potential with this team. And even in those three wins, like, yeah, they had two good offensive performances, right? A bunch of runs in those first two of those three wins. But then the third game, they still left a lot of opportunities out there with runners in scoring position, right? KJ says the offense is Charlie Brown, man. Swing and miss, worst batting average with runners in scoring position. Yeah, it needs to get better still. Dominic asked, what is Christian doing with that bunt? Yeah, so that was, what inning was that? That was the ninth inning, right? That ended up not mattering because they ended up scoring on the wild pitch. I think, right? Yeah, so Carpenter had that single. This was when it was 3-3 today. 3-3, Carp singles, Hassan Kim gets to third. So Grish is trying to lay a bunt down to bring that runner in. And he pops up. The ball is, like, going to hit him. He he goes down for the bunt, and it's a breaking ball coming right at, like, his face. And so maybe that was just reaction, like, I'm going to get hit in the face, so I'm just going to continue trying to bunt this. Um. But, yeah, he, he probably should have gotten out of the way of that one. But it's easy for me to say just watching from the couch on television. Uh, but, yeah, popped it up. That wasn't great. But the Padres, they got lucky. And Kim ended up scoring there because no one else got a hit after that. So it's not like a run would have been driven in if if the wild pitch didn't happen. But, I mean, the Padres, they ended up losing anyway. It's not like... They got that run and they ended up winning the game or anything. You know, they they ended up giving it up and it was 4-4 and then Nolan Jones obviously had the walk-off after the long rain delay. What a play, by the way. You know, shout out to Soto and then Manny at the end of that eighth inning to even get to that spot. Like the Rockies could have had a 4-3 lead going into the top of the ninth anyway. 
because Tovar lined a ball to left. Soto makes a diving catch, throws it to third because he didn't see the runner stopped, I guess, or maybe the throw was already going when the runner stopped. And so he throws it to third. Manny sees the runner going back to second. He's not there. So Manny, quick throw, just laser to second base at Kim, who gets the out on the double play. I mean, it's very rare. I don't know if I've ever seen. I probably have, but I'm, this is just recency bias. When's the last 7-5-4? Because that's what it was, right? 7-5-4 double play. When was the last 7-5-4 double play? I don't remember seeing one. And it was spectacular, too. It wasn't just a line drive where the runner had his head up his butt. No, that was a diving catch. And the runner obviously didn't think, uh, Doyle, he didn't think that Soto was going to get there which I don't really blame him because it's Juan Soto playing left, right? He's not – I know Gold Glove nominee and all that, but come on. He should not be a Gold Glove nominee, at least last year. That, that's a joke. But it was still a great play. And at that time, you know, Padres, they took the lead in that in the ninth before giving it up. It was like, man, that, that saved the game. Kind of like Manny the other day with the great play down the line with uh, for the second out of the inning with that runner on third, the juggling act. Now, the runner on third, he should have tagged. I did see that in the chat, I think, from Matt. The runner should ta- should have tagged when Manny first touched the ball because it's not when he catches it. Once you touch it, you can go. Um, and the runner, I guess he didn't know that rule. He didn't end up tagging and scoring. So if, if he would have tagged right from when Manny touched the ball, he, he I think he would have scored. But he didn't do it. But still, you can give props to Manny because he still knew the situation. Like once Manny caught it, if he didn't know the situation and he didn't immediately fire in, the runner could have still probably scored or still tried it. But Manny still right on his butt threw it immediately. So still props to him for that. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, Steven says, this kid does a nice job. Thank you. I uh, hope he doesn't become like a lot of these local sports radio hosts that are Padre apologists and promote ideas that are ultimately bad for the fans. I wonder who that is, who you're talking about. I think I know who it is, but. And, and look, I am a Padres fan, so I'm still going to lean towards the Padres, but. I'm still going to give you, like, I give you my honest thoughts. Like, it's not like I'm sitting here and giving you pro Padres thoughts when I'm not actually pro Padres. If I'm leaning towards the Padres in a positive view, like, I'm going to say that. If I don't, I don't. I'm not going to make up stuff uh, just to get people riled up. That's not who I am. I'm an honest fan of the team. If you think I'm too biased for the Padres, because there are some people that have said that, well, then I guess go find someone else. Sorry. I will criticize the Padres when I feel like it, when I feel like it's when it's needed. And here we go. Here's, here's a situation. JD's third. Why don't we acknowledge the run in, uh, yeah, the run in the ninth was due to an error and wild pitch. No offense today at all. Runners in scoring position is still a major issue. Oh yeah. It's still definitely a major issue. I've said that multiple times today. Today, what'd they go? What did I say they went today? It was like one for 12 or something? Or was that yesterday? Let's see. Today, one for seven today. Yesterday, yesterday was the one for 12. 10 left on base. Yeah, that's not good. And we can go through the the, the situations. Because obviously Saturday was the worst. I mean, they won the game. But let's see here. I'm just going through these innings. So, Clooney's on second base in the second inning, and Tatis grounded out to in there. Uh, in the fourth inning, Bogarts let off the inning with the walk. Couldn't get him over to second. Clooney and Kim flying out. Grish doubles. Bogarts third. So, they're second and third. And then Nola's up. Can't expect anything from him, but he ends up popping out. And by the way, I had the, on Underdog Fantasy, I had the higher on Austin Nola. I think it was singles, right? Half singles. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to be optimistic. There's a lot of people bashing Nola. I'm going to be optimistic. If it works out, I'm a genius. If it doesn't, I was just trying to send some good vibes toward him. And he ended up singling. It ended up working out. So, you better have picked Nola in that spot. You better have. You would have cashed in on that. Obviously, if you got some others right, because that's how it works with underdog. It's not like you pick one. It's not just one pick. You have to do multiple, at least at least two, I believe. And you can do up to like six picks, I think, for like 10 times your money. It, it's great. Uh, but yeah, getting back to JD's third, yeah, runners in scoring position, it's still an issue. 
And I that was just the third inning. I haven't gone through the rest. Let's see here. Tatis started off the inning in the fifth with a double. And Soto grounded out. Manny grounded out. Sanchez struck out. Couldn't bring him in. You have the meat of your lineup up there. Soto, Manny, Sanchez. Like those are the three guys you up. Those are the three guys you want up right now, right? Or maybe maybe put Bogarts in there. But you want those guys up. And they didn't do the job. Like it continues to be. I know the bottom of the order, you still want them to step up, but it still continues to be the top of the order with uh, or the middle of the order, you know, with runners in scoring position, when those opportunities present themselves, they've got to come through better, more consistently. Uh, there was after the Nando two run single, made it 3 2 on Saturday. That meant that Nola was on third, Tatis on first. And uh, Soto grounded out. So there was another runner in scoring position that they didn't. Look, they're not, I'm not saying that they have to go 10 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Just don't have the worst batting average in baseball with runners in scoring position, right? I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's an okay expectation. I don't think I'm setting the expectations too high. I don't think the Padres fan base is expecting too much from this Padres team to just be a little bit better with runners in scoring position. You know, these guys making 20 million a year, 30 million a year, just be a little bit better with runners in scoring position, you know? Just, it's easy again for me saying this as a fan just sitting here, but we're also not professional hitters where our job is to do that. Steve says, Melvin also mismanaged the bullpen uh, in the playoffs, cost us the Philly series. I don't think just that cost us like yes i know obviously the suarez hater stuff that's a big one that you look at i wasn't really mad at that i've made my thoughts clear on that i was more mad at was that game four i think it was game four manaya right so clevenger sucked and then manaya comes in and the padres they gave him did he have two leads in that game i know it was six four at one point and he blew that one and so it was Manaya not pitching well and Melvin sticking with Manaya, I think, for the second inning. When Garcia came into that game later in the inning, might as well just start the inning with Garcia. So I was more mad at that one uh, than the eighth inning Suarez decision. Like Suarez was pretty much right there with Hader in terms of pitching well in the postseason. Like they trusted them the same, the same level of trust, those guys at that point. And I would have put the same level. I had the same level of trust in Suarez at that point that I did with Hader. And Hader was one inning guy. That's what he is. And so I wouldn't give him $100 million. I just wouldn't. If, if you're not going to pitch back-to-back-to-back days and you're not going to pitch more than an inning, you're making $100 million. I'm not paying $100 million to the guy with that. That that. And maybe that's just what physical limits are. But so it's nothing against him. like personally and i guess if you want to be healthy right you want the big contract it's not like he's going to change now and be like oh i'm willing to go back to back to back days i'm willing to pitch three innings if you want me to skip when that could increase the chances of injuries i understand what he's doing uh but if that's what he's going to do i don't want to pay a guy like that 100 million dollars i i want him to shove I want him to shove the rest of the year be the best reliever in baseball all-star appearance, be just as he was in the postseason last year. 
And if they don't, if they don't sign him, then they don't sign him. You got two pennant races out of Josh Hader. If you can't do anything with it, well, then that sucks. Yeah. At least they tried for it. Right? It's obviously unfortunate what's happened with Forrest this year. Hopefully he can come back at some point. I think he's just starting to throw. I don't know if he's had a bull. Did he, has he had a bullpen session yet? Does anyone know the latest update on him? I know I'm behind the chat, so I'll get to it. But I, I know he's thrown like actual baseball now, not just one of those plyo balls. But I don't know if he's had a bullpen yet. Someone says, LOL, this dude is like Bowmel's nephew. All he does is defend Bowmel. It's crazy at this point. Eh, that's not true because I've criticized him already in this show. And I'll bring this point up again. Like, if they were going to part with Bowmel, then I come in. Bruce Bochy's with the Rangers. Ron Washington, I think Ron Washington's fine with the Braves. Like they already, the Padres already skipped on him, and you're going to want to bring him in. Well, guess what? Bomo and Ron Washington, those are two old school managers. You're going to bring in another first time manager, and also with also with AJ, is, is Peter going to allow him to hire a fourth manager? Andy Green, Jace Tingler, now Bomo. You're going to let Peter's going to allow him hire to hire a fourth manager. I think AJ's like, it's Bomo or nothing. You know, I'm riding this out with Bomo. Like the players that I acquire just have to be better. And I have to make some better trades too. Okay, I'm behind the chat. So I apologize if I apologize if I don't get to some of these. I'm just scrolling down to see if any stick out to me. If you want to make sure I get to your comment, use that super chat button. Uh, Devin says, I'm with Ben being an optimist. Even with this loss, I still believe the team will make the playoffs and things will only get better from here. I acknowledge they are, there are still issues, but I'm not quitting. Um, yeah, I'm an, I tend to be more of an optimist and I think this team's still going to be a postseason team. But as of now, like sitting right now, uh, I'm not that encouraged with the team right now, to be honest. And there's encouraging things with the team, but they still can't be consistent. Like, yeah, they won three games in a row, but one of those was not very encouraging. That 3-2 win on Saturday, and the runners in scoring position still isn't that good. And then there's games like today where they should have won. Blake Snow is great, and they're not able to go win it. Uh, JD's third says, I'm no fan of Bo mid Bo mid instead of Bo Mel. I'm no fan of Bo mid either. And AJ puppet Bochi would have kicked AJ's butt by now. Uh, yeah, but did the Padres check in with Bochi and Bochi just said he didn't want to do it because if they checked in with Bochi, I think they would have hired him if Bochi was interested, right? You go with Bochi instead of going with Bo Mel. So I don't think Bochi was interested at that point. And I think it's funny. So fans were saying Jace Tingler, Andy Green, those were AJ's puppets. And now Bowmel's AJ's puppet as well, when Bowmel has tons of managing experience, way more managing experience than um, Green and Tingler did combined. I don't think Bowmel is an AJ puppet. Do they talk? Yeah. 
But Bomo's, I think Bomo has more saying in the lineup now than Tingler and Andy Green did. That's for sure. And he has more say in like certain decisions, like situational decisions than Andy Green and Jace Tingler did. Captain Zeno says, Bob Melvin lost this game. Should have played Hater. Hater was not available. Back-to-back-to-back days are not doing that on June 11th. June 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's not happening. He was not available. You could have said should have. Should have put him in. Okay, but they're not going to do that. Hater's not going to do that, and the Padres aren't going to do that because they want him to be available on the stretch because they think this team is still going to be a postseason team. And they want him to be available in the postseason. They don't want that third day for him to walk off the mound with a trainer. Well, okay, so the beef says, why did they pitch Hater when we were up eight runs? This was on Friday, right? The first of the series. Let me double check that. Yeah. It's because he hadn't pitched in a while. If you go look at Hater's game logs, which I'm pulling up right now, he had not pitched in a good amount of time. Let's see. So June 9th, June 9th? No. Yeah, it was June 9th. June 9th, first game of this series. Or actually, oh, it wasn't actually that long. He he pitched a couple of days before that, June 7th. But then before that, his game was May 31st. So they wanted to get him some more consistent time. They didn't want him after May 31st to pitch June 7th and then to not pitch again. Like they wanted to get him in. I think that's why. They they wanted to get him in some work. And actually, at that point, it wasn't an eight-run game. It was a three-run game because there was a couple runs given up in the eighth. I think Nick, I was joking uh, with my mom, Martinez was being a good teammate at that point. Just he wanted Hater to get the save. So it was actually a save situation. That's why. Sorry. I totally forgot about that. Man, some of these series, it feels like it takes so long. So, yeah, it was a save situation at that point. Keith Bell for manager. That's interesting. I mean, he's old school too. So, yeah, don't I don't think that's happening. Uh, Ko says I'm okay with this loss. To be honest, we just gotta move forward. I'm I'm not okay with the loss. I mean, I'm happy that they won the series, but I'm not okay with the loss. I mean. They had a couple leads, and they didn't win the game. You're facing the Colorado Rockies, and you didn't win the game. So I don't, I don't think we should be okay with the loss. I think we should point our blame in a different direction for today than where some people here in the chat are doing it. Uh, JD Third asks, how many games are we winning this season, Ben? Uh, not 100. Not 100, That's that's for sure. Well, right now, so they're, let's see, 40, no, sorry, 34th place, 31 and 34 
So how many games do they have left? Ninety-seven games. So let's say they go. I mean, I want to be really optimistic, but I can't at this point in time. Let's say what fifty-five and what would that be? Fifty-five and forty-two. That that seems still like. I mean, that's really good baseball. 55 and 42, let's say. That gets you to 85 wins. So that's not even as good as last year. I would say probably around last year's total. Um, I would be pleasantly surprised if they got to like 93 wins. Like you'd have to be playing really good baseball. Um, I'd be surprised if they got to probably 90 wins. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably say less than 90 right now. For sure. But with the way the National League's playing out right now, like I don't look at the standings right now and I'm not going to, just just so you know. Uh, but I do know that the National League, because I watch MLB Network all the time, like the National League, it's not, it's not great right now. The Mets are struggling, the Phillies, um, it's it's just the Cardinals, obviously, it's not great. So that's a good thing for Padres fans. Like they can turn it around and be a postseason team. It's not like there's a bunch of dominant teams in the NL. It seems like the better league this year is the American League. Someone named Bob Melvin's in the chat here. Says 77 wins. Wow. 77? So you're saying they're going to win 47 of their... Oh, no, no, no. My bad. What did I say? How many games were left? We're 65 games in, so 97 games. 77 wins. Sorry, I'm doing a lot of different things at this moment right now, so sorry. 30? They're 30 wins? No, I'm looking at the wrong game. 31 wins. So you say they're going to win 46 games, 46 of their next 97? So they're going to have a losing record the rest of the 46 and 51. I think that's what the math works out to. I think they can be over 500 the rest of the time. Or like, like they finish... Like their 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 next the the ninety seven games that they have, I think they can finish above five hundred in those ninety seven games. Yes, thank you, Matt. Sorry, math is not my strong suit. Four six fifty one. Yep. All right. If you have any more comments, put them in the chat. I did want to get to what else happened. Around San Diego sports this week, and let's start with the San Diego Loyal. So the San Diego Loyal, they were able to get a draw against Sacramento, who was the first place team, are the first place team in the USL Western Conference. 
they have one loss on the season. So we knew going in it was going to be a tough test for the Loyal. And I think it was less than 30 minutes into the match, Sacramento scored. But then Domus ended up tying it on a penalty kick, tied it 1-1. And the Loyal, they probably should have lost this match, to be honest, because Sacramento had a wide-open shot. Uh, Kogi Vegas was back, by the way, after missing some games due to injury. He was back. And he came out front at one point. And so there was just defenders in goal, essentially. And obviously they can't use their hands. So Sacramento has the advantage. And Sacramento just missed missed the net, hit it over, over the top post. So that was a big scoring chance that Sacramento did not capitalize on. So the Loyal ended up drawing 1-1 in this match. And they probably have to be okay with that based on the fact that they probably should have lost if Sacramento would have capitalized on some of the opportunities, mainly that one that I just hit on right there, the opportunity there that they had. Uh, so now the San Diego Loyal, they sit at 6-4-4. Four, and four, And then their next match was a team that they just played on the road, San Antonio. That is going to be on Wednesday at 7 p.m. at – Torero Stadium, and then I believe the Loyal, they're right back on the road, so they, they've had a tough stretch here of a lot of road games, and then they have a couple home, but then they're right back on the road, so you look at the standings right now, Loyal, they're in fourth place in the Western Conference at 22 points. Sacramento has a seven-point advantage after both clubs obviously took one point this past Friday. Uh, El Paso second, San Antonio is third. They're two points ahead of the Loyal, so if the Loyal can beat San Antonio on Wednesday, they then jump ahead, obviously, of San Antonio. And the Loyal, obviously, they are in playoff position. So that's good there. And then the San Diego Wave. San Diego Wave, they 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 also drew. They uh, tied 0-0 with Racing Louisville. And this was kind of frustrating. I mean, so Alex Morgan, she didn't play. They, you know, the World Cup's coming up. There's the Angel City match coming up on Saturday, which hopefully it gets sold out. Uh, I expect it to be a great atmosphere there. You can get your tickets online, the Waves website. Uh, I believe it's as low as $10 uh, in the, the second deck. So go get your tickets there. That's on Saturday at 1 p.m. Morgan didn't play. There was that, you know, the big match coming up. And... You're, you're facing a racing Louisville team that you think you should be able to beat with the players that you have available. And they had their chances. I mean, Jaden Shaw, I thought she had a pretty good match. I know she missed some opportunities. Uh, Shaw had a shot high in the 69th minute. Cola Preco had a shot late that was blocked. Sophia Jakobsen, she had uh, a great pass to her by Shaw. I could watch Shaw uh, have... I can watch her all day make passes. I mean, she is obviously the Doniak pass uh, in Jersey against Gotham was tremendous. She, she, she's so good at that. She had a great pass to Jakobsen. Jakobsen did not capitalize on that late in the first half in stoppage time. So there was opportunities uh, to come through and they just didn't do it. The defense was, was good again. Uh, it was their fourth consecutive road shutout. And that's NWSL history right there. The first club ever, uh, I thought it was just this season, but first club in NWSL history to have four consecutive road 
shutouts. Obviously, shutting out Louisville. They shut out Gotham. They shut out, I believe, Houston. They shut out Kansas City. So, yeah. And it's not just Kaylin Sheridan, by the way. I mean, she's been, obviously, she's the goalie, the last line of defense. But Germa, McNabb, Real, uh, Westfall, right? Like, you got to give props to the back line there. Um, and even other other players as well. But, like, it, my point is, obviously, it's not just Kaylin Sheridan. You know, got to give the props to the other defenders as well. And it, it was interesting in this match, like, Pogarch, she ended up playing attacking. She, she was an attacker a, a little bit. I think in the second half, most of the second half, I remember, she was attacking, which was interesting to be seeing because the Padre game was on at the same time. So I was kind of going through both, switching back and forth, and looking at both screens. And like, pose, pose, pose attacking? Seriously? Um, I don't have a problem with that. Like she did score earlier this year um, and Morgan not playing. Bell Barcenas wasn't on the field or anything like that. So, you know, Casey Stoney, I'm not going to question her. It was surprising to see it. That's all. Um, the, the We're at like the halfway point of the wave season. And right now they sit 6-3-2, 20 points, and they're near the top of the table. Let's look at the standings here. At the top of the table, so 20 points, them and Washington. Washington got a win as well this weekend. They got the win against Angel City, who the Wave now play coming up this next Saturday at Snapdragon. So 20 points between the two, the Wave, uh, again, six wins, two draws, three losses. The Spirit, they don't have as many wins. They have three more draws. So they were able to make up that with three points with the three draws. Um, they don't have as many losses, but both at 20 Portland, I believe they play tonight though. They, if they win, then they should be at the top of the table, right? Oh no, no, no. They lost today. Okay. Three, one, they lost Orlando. Wow. That's an upset. They lost three, one. So that's good. So oh, the wave looks like at the end of this week here, they're going to be at the top of the table alongside Washington. And so Alex Morgan, she should be back for the Angel City match. I'm fully expecting that. And the defense is going to be a big part of it, obviously, because, I mean, that's that's a strong suit of theirs. I know, like, Shaw, there's there's a lot of talent offensively. Sheridan, she's arguably the best keeper in the league. And they have Gurma, who is uh, probably, if not the best, definitely one of the best defenders. Uh, in the league, in the world, on the woman's side. So that's a good couple pieces there at the back. Um, and obviously they have the talent there in the front. So it, it's going to be a good match, you know, with Angel City. Uh, obviously, Alyssa Thompson, Julie Ertz, uh, Didi Heritage uh, in goal. There's there's talent there. Um, and Cindy LaRue, I believe she just came back and scored. So that's going to be an entertaining match. Again, that's Saturday at 1 p.m. All right. Anything else in the chat? By the way, there's no updates on the MLS stuff. Oh, and uh, Mexico. Mexico, Cameroon. There was that friendly this weekend, and I wasn't watching it, but Mexico and Cameroon, they drew 2-2. Two to two. Seemed like 
it was almost sold out. It wasn't fully sold out, but uh, there was a ton of Mexico fans there, obviously, as you would expect. And that's just one of the many international friendlies going to be at Snapdragon this summer. Obviously, Man United, Wrexham. There's Gold That's not a friendly, but Gold Cup coming as well, a semifinal there. And then uh, Loyal playing Dortmund. Uh, Devin asks, will you talk about the financial stuff with Soto? What do you mean? Like his contract? Like Padres extension talks? They're, they're not talking right now. At least we haven't heard of anything of them talking. And I don't think they should right now. L let's get over 500. Let's, let's focus on the winning before we talk about the contracts. And, I mean, some don't want to believe AC. Um, but what we've heard is they're not in the best financial spot right now. So yeah, I don't think I don't think the extension talks are going to be heating up with the Padres and and Juan Soto. All right, that's going to do it. Talking for hours episode 412. Thank you all for the support as always. Thank you for listening on the podcast platforms. Thank you for watching either live or on replay on YouTube. Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you have not already and turn on the notifications so you don't miss when a video goes out. Don't miss when I go live so you can participate in these live shows. Reminder, use my code TALKINGFRIERS on SeatGeek for $20 off there. Click the link in the description for Breaking Tea, San Diego Sports Swag, Padres, Wave, Aztecs. I'll be back later in the week. Again, thank you all for the support. Have a great rest of your day. And I'll see you all later.